Good morning, and welcome to Lopes on Movies. My name is Joey Lopes, and today I'm joined by Connor. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Welcome to 2024. This is the first 2024 episode of Lopes on Movies. Very, very exciting. I'm super excited for this year because I have made a commitment to watch a movie every day this year. 500 movies in 500 days? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what I'm joking. Well, well, see, normally it would be 365 movies in 365 days, but this year it's 366 movies in 366 days. Oh, this is a leap year. It is oh, a leap wow. year. So I get an extra movie um, by, uh, by, by doing this bit. Um, I'm only saying that because I happened to watch a movie last night, so I'm, I'm on pace to watch a movie every day see, this, uh, <laughs> so this year. I'm doing the same thing with the gym. I've been to the gym every day this year. Okay. Two days. That, that's good. Yeah. No. That's that's great. So like you you are exercising your your physical muscles to stay in good shape, and I'm exercising my artistic muscles to you know be enriched by by art. And, yeah, but uh, but hey now, I hate it. I, like it's not like I'm slacking and need to like pick up. Like I, I saw a lot of movies in 2020. Oh well, yeah, of course. I'm not exercising, so that I, I can say I'm slacking on that regard. But well. Uh, at least I'm watching to, movies. Yeah, you should try to do some uh, some of both. So what? Uh, wait, wait, quick, wait, 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 wait. What do you think of uh, the our, our 2023 year in 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 cinema? Well, um, I, I think what says it all is that the, uh, the the they're reporting for the first time since 2014 that Disney has not won the box office. Um, the the Universal made more money than Disney at the box office this year. Which is crazy. Like it's been so long since we've been in in this uh, kind of Disney world with, with these Disney movies making ridiculous amounts of money and then just kind of like dominating the box office and having the biggest hits of the year. That uh, can, can you believe that we're at a time when a, a real movie studio like Universal is kind of, is back on top? Oh man, what are, um, what are Bob? I true. feel so bad for Bob and Bob. Bob the Bobs. The Bobs. Is Bob Chapek even still in the company? Or did he <laughs> just get like completely, completely yeah. the one Bob, Bob Iger, of course. Well, Bob still... Iger's back, even yeah. though he wanted to retire, but then he didn't retire. And then Bob Chapek is, I, 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 I don't know. I think they, they showed him the door and uh, <laughs> you know, slammed it in his face. Um, <laughs> but I mean, Bob Bob Iger's not really doing so hot either right now. Like things are not going so great over at the Disney Company, and I think that's great because you know. <laughs> That's uh, they, they were just they a parasitic influence on the the box office for the past ten years, and I think it's it's about time that we uh, we, we change things up a little bit. And I think you know, people I, are getting I, tired of it. I think you're right, and I gotta say, just from my because I've been to the movies quite a bit, uh, you know, the, the past year especially, and you know, every year for the past I don't know for as long as I could remember, I definitely think this year. The, the the crowds have been there and they've been coming out to the theater for all sorts of movies oh yeah like i yeah, have definitely. not been in empty theaters for when i'm mm-hmm. when i've been seeing these movies which is great yeah and it's like we're seeing you know just real movies too like it's not like we're just going out and watching the the movies that are like the blockbusters that are expected to make a, a lot of money like we're we're seeing all kinds of things and we're seeing people show up for them i think people are uh the appetite for for movies is there right now. That, you know, that's that's fantastic. Like 
It, it, it really is like a, a wonderful thing. And I'm glad that we can go to the movie theaters these days and see a more, at least it feels like we're, we're able to see a wider variety of kinds of movies than we've been able to in the past. Usually it's only around Oscar season that, uh, there's there's any any chance of that but this this year i don't know it's been a little bit better than that there's been so mm, many but, movies that from 2023 that the spillover i'm still like the catch-up is is not going to be over for so long like that's yeah, that's how exactly. i feel and i've seen i've been there's going like so every week see. it's uh yeah. multiple times potentially well, most of the time it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's uh pretty wild it's great it's great it's great to be uh you know i i like to believe or i want to believe that we can be entering a healthy movie culture over the next couple of years because i think that the uh the, the world's a better place when we have good movies to see and like a conversation can be surrounding good movies like it's, it's just a much more interesting and, and happy world i feel um so yeah i'm, I'm excited just to see all the stuff that i'd missed and hopefully around oscar season we'll have a couple more of those showing up in theaters around here but you know we're we're getting there, and it's great. I, I got nothing but optimism these days. I'm I'm feeling great about movies. You know I can watch any old movie I want on Criterion. That's amazing. I can go to the theater and see a movie that's interesting. It's like it, this is a great time to be a fan of the cinema. You know, so every, everybody should be should be glad. We should be happy. We should be feeling good. This this is this is a great time to be alive. Well, all right, all right, Connor. I think it's about time you talked about a movie. Uh, so this is, this is the one movie that I've watched in, in 2024 and it is a 2023 movie. We have mentioned it multiple times on the show cause you saw it a little while ago in theaters. I didn't get the chance to see it in theaters, but it is currently streaming on Peacock. So if you have that service, you can, you know, watch it for free. I think it's it's also streaming if you want to rent it for like 20 bucks or something on other services. I probably don't want to do that, but um, it, it is on Peacock if you happen to have that. So um, this is The Holdovers, the Alexander Payne movie, which, uh, yeah, I've, I've been kind of wanting to check this one out for a while because there's a lot of things about it that seemed like, like it would very clearly appeal to me and my sensibilities. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it was something that I, I, I wanted to check out. And of course, I like Alexander Payne. Um, I actually have not seen much of his filmography, even though I'm like very familiar with a lot of the movies he's made. Like weirdly, I th- the last movie he made before the holdovers was that that movie Downsizing, yeah, yeah. Matt Damon, which was not a uh, not not critically well received or well received by audiences largely. Um, but he's like it was sort of just like a force of like the independent scene in like the the late nineties and uh, and early two thousands. And I think like the, the movie that I most associate with him is Election, which is that. Uh, Matthew Broderick movie and Reese Witherspoon. That's that's a very interesting, very funny movie. Um, so I, I'm the, at least like a, a casual liker of uh, Alexander Payne. Well, the other I, ones are, there's the definitely plenty more ne- I gotta watch. Nebraska Sideways. Sure, sure. Nebraska was pretty recent too. I remember when that came out. Like that was that, that had Bruce Dern in it and was very uh, well received. Um, but yeah, then about Schmidt and Sideways. Um, and he's, you know, speaking of the holdover, he's worked with Paul Giamatti before. And Paul Giamatti's in the holdover, so it's sort of uh, going back to... Well, speaking, of, speaking, of sideways, speaking of Sideways, you mean? Because he, he was... Yeah, yeah, yeah Sideways, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so they so, they, they, yeah. they they work together well. I think something that's that's pretty cool about Alexander Payne is that the his he's, his film style, or his filmmaking style is described as uh, being more 
kind of kind of cozy like uh you know how there's like uh like playback when you're when they're when you're filming a movie and an actor can go mm-hmm. over and see what their scene looked like or how how it looked yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. he doesn't allow anyone to do that in it and it's he's like very intimate into the the filming of it and mm-hmm. the whole all the performers don't really know how they look or did uh they just kind of go off of his feel and he's like yeah that was great mm-hmm. and like they mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that and it, it feels yeah, yeah. it, it kind of comes through in his work too like it, it especially this movie which we'll you know we'll we'll get into the way yeah, it, yeah. It, the, the way it, it feels when you're you're watching it uh, sure sure yeah so want to get into a little bit of what it what it's about yeah let's uh, let's start with that synopsis okay so uh, it's called the holdovers by Alexander Payne uh, starring Paul Giamatti in the lead role Davine Joy Randolph and Dominic Sessa in are the other leads uh the mm-hmm. plot a cranky history teacher played by paul giamatti at a remote prep school is forced to remain on campus over the holidays with a troubled student who has no place to go the idea is uh the holdovers are all the students at this uh this prep school that can't go back to you know their their families for for whatever reason and uh they're considered the holdovers that have to stay on the campus while everyone else goes home yeah. for the for the holidays for the holidays and then, yeah and then uh you know this this curmudgeon uh played by paul giamatti is uh you know the one who's in charge of them who mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. very interesting character joey what do you think of this one i saw this probably a month ago uh the holdovers was great of course it was great like how how, how could a movie like this fail i mean you got the perfect uh it's such a classic dynamic of the like unruly teen and the uptight like professor type who you know learn to, to to come to terms with each other and you know bond like that that's it's it's an idea that's been around for a while but it's it's one of those things that you get like good actors to do those roles and you write it really well like there there can be a very very potent thing there um and i think that's something that like people have talked about alexander Payne, that he's very good with actors and that really comes through in this movie because that that Dominic Sessa kid who's playing Angus, the uh, I guess you would call the main character other than Paul Giamatti, um, he is not a professional actor. They they literally plucked him out of one of the schools that they were filming at to be <laughs> the lead in the movie um, because they just they, they auditioned some of these kids and we're like, well, let's, you know, let's see. And this the Dominic Sessa like just wowed them in the audition, so <laughs> now he's working on like a major alexander payne movie i gotta um, say i think he's so i think he's incredible crazy. too he's, like, he's fantastic just, yeah it's, it's such a great performance and that that speaks both well to him and to alexander payne for being able to like direct a a non-professional actor like that and get such a great performance out of him um and of course that that you know bodes very well for for his career going forward you know because he really does make a crazy gr- good impression in this movie especially playing off of actors like paul giamatti who's like you know one of the greats like so well established um and both of them just holding their own together in these scenes like it's it's really remarkable um what what that kid's capable of doing so that's yeah no i'm i'm uh i'm looking forward to seeing what what he does next for sure yeah and i mean and dave Joy randolph who plays like the oh, school yeah. cafeteria uh i guess I don't know, lunch lady is that is that still yeah, one of the cooks <laughs> she yeah. was one of the cooks who kind of runs like the the kitchens and everything mm-hmm. uh she's she's also a holdover who and she's Mm -hmm. dealing with her own personal tragedy where her her son who was a student at i think what is the school called barton 
Yeah, Barton, Barton Academy. Like Bar- Barton Academy. Uh, he he went there, but he didn't come from like well off means. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, she was actually working at the school, so he could go to Barton. Uh, mm-hmm. He joined. He joined the war, and he died in 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 the war. This, this I think this movie takes place in 1970, so that'd be Vietnam. Yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she's now dealing with the the tragic loss of her her son, and then her husband. She also mm-hmm. lost her husband too. So she has no real where else to really go. So you have mm-hmm. this group where we didn't even get to Paul Giamatti, who is just this miserable like crotchety old man who is giving f's out d's out like it's nothing <laughs> to these students like no one wants his class uh, he and uh you kind of do see a bit into his back backstory of why he could potentially be the kind of person that uh that he is <laughs> he is mm-hmm. now but but uh he, he is hilarious and all of them are really funny too there there's all these such tragic broken and like uh sad characters that have this like this spunk to them that is just mm-hmm. so clever and creative and funny. And then of course, uh, like you're saying, Dominic Sessa is just such a just great, great character for, for this. Oh, as yeah. this as this kid who has no real friends. And I, I guess they kind of established that Barton, this uh, this prep school, is I guess it it they they imply that it it formally had a a good reputation. And perhaps it still does, but like clearly there's like like the the standards have kind of lowered there, mm-hmm. I guess. And uh, mm-hmm. he's kind of gone there because he's the the kid who gets sent there from, from, from comes from like a wealthy family, I imagine or I presume. But he's gotten kicked out of all the other prep schools that he's gone to, so he's sent to Barton to mm-hmm. be you know you know a student there. So and really kind of he's got a pretty rough backstory too with a really mm-hmm. rough family situation where it seems mm-hmm. like his his mother and her now uh, husband who is his stepfather Stepdad, really yeah. don't want anything to do with him which is why mm-hmm. uh they don't want him there for the for the holidays i guess they're recently just married so they want to just do their own thing gallivanting mm-hmm. on the by, by themselves but mm-hmm. uh so that's the perfect perfect setup for for what this this movie ultimately ends up being oh yeah no it's great i mean it's 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 all about those three characters and how they their dynamic evolves over the course of being together um for this this holiday break and of course like there's there's elements of like the the paul giamatti character eventually sort of lightens up a little bit as he gets to know them um and he, he of course has like a very good relationship with uh with davine's character from the beginning um and they, they kind of bond early on but then it's like she's kind of getting him to open up a little bit more to the kid and be a little less hard on him. And then, you know, they end up having a little bit of a relationship. It's just a very, very good character relationship and they all play off each other very well. And their, their dynamics help their characters evolve in very interesting and organic ways. Um, but it's also just like, there's some really great scenes in it that I think are like, it demonstrate a really, really s- strong understanding of characters and like moderating the tone of a scene like that christmas eve scene is really really great where it starts Mm. off as like such a like sort of joyful but almost like unambiguously joyful thing then very not even on a dime just very kind of subtly morphs into something a lot more kind of melancholy um and sad 
but in a way that's like not melodramatic, not not like excessive. It's just very organically doing it and helps you like really, really understand these characters and and empathize with them. Um, like so, there's this, there's a lot of stuff like that 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 is great. Um, and yeah, so I, I I can't stress enough how great the characters are and why that's probably like the number one thing about the movie that that you should be looking forward to. But I did want to talk about some of the uh, the technical things in the movie too, just because I think it's really interesting. Um, because, so the, the movie is is set in like 1970, um, and the idea behind the filming of the movie was also to sort of capture the aesthetic vibe of like a 70s movie. Like I, I've, I've heard them talk about in interviews that it's like not, not like a direct um, like homage to this filmmaker Hal Ashby, but like a similar like kind of vibe. Um, and he directed movies like Harold and Maude and Shampoo, which I don't know if I haven't seen Harold and Maude. I have seen Shampoo. Um, I wouldn't call this movie like significantly like them, but similar in the sense of like character dramas. Um, but he he extends that beyond just like the tone of the movie and like the the script and the the idea and into the technical aspects of the movie where like I, I assume it's shot on film I'm not entirely sure but it certainly looks like it's shot on film but the the other thing that I thought was really interesting is that the audio is mixed in mono like it's not even like surround sound <laughs> it's it's literally mixed in mono and you can you could I could I could tell immediately when I started watching it so like this sounds weird for a a, a movie in uh in, in like a modern movie like i'm not used to this this kind of like this this soundscape what's going on here so i looked it up because um, i thought maybe it was a mistake but then I, I like just something wrong with the uh like my speakers or something and i looked it up i was like oh no this movie's actually in mono like a like a 60s or 70s movie like early 70s movie probably would have been um so there's a lot like that that's just like placing it in that time and place and in in a sense like you you, you get that that feeling like it doesn't feel like a movie that is plucked out of like 2023. You know, it feels like a movie that could have come from an earlier era. And oh, even though yeah. I don't think that like the, the I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily like, I, I don't think it feels like a 70s movie in terms of what the storytelling is because it's a little bit more like, like 70s movies tend to have a little bit of a harder edge to them and like a little more subversive. Whereas this I think is a little bit more like, I don't, I don't want to say sappy, but it definitely has like elements of like, cozy feel-good movie even though it's about like really heavy stuff but the uh the, the ultimate result is that these characters are like bonding and like that the warmth that comes I would, from yeah that. i would say not yeah. story-wise per se but definitely the way it feels when you're watching it and like the way it mm -hmm. looks like the, the camera yeah, yeah, angles yeah. the shots oh absolutely uh, the, yeah even yeah. the intros like they they it, it, the intros are all done in the title sequences uh are all very much 70s style or an older film like the way that all the mm -hmm. introductory scenes and the, the logos everything it, yeah it, it was clearly done with intention the posters oh, for yeah, the movies absolutely. are all like drawn posters like the way they would be back then uh it's it was done with the, the intent to get to get that feeling and the way that uh i mean it's all shot on on locations i think they used like five different schools or something to for the the sets to to make Barton, I I believe it is what it it was, uh, mm -hmm. you know I it, it you know it it feels that kind of that kind of way like the the, the the I don't know there's like a coziness to it you know you know what I mean like it's, no yeah uh, exactly and that that's that's what a lot of people have talked about um and like uh, this is such an obvious comparison but I I 
I thought about it like and I didn't I didn't want to make the comparison because I don't think that it's like necessarily totally on the mark. But like I was thinking of Rushmore when I was watching it a little bit, just because sure, yeah, they're both movies about like, you know, a, a prep school or whatever. Um and I think the uh the the thing that the the, the tone of Rushmore is very different and the, the style of Wes Anderson has nothing to do with the style of this movie. But they both have like a similar kind of warmth to them of that setting, that kind of setting that like that I don't know, like Boston area, like northern like wintry cold like, and of course Rushmore play, takes place during the whole school year but it still has like like the fall and winter that have this like completely like bizarrely warm vibe but like then they even use like one some of the same kinds of music and this in this case it makes sense just because it's a period movie like it takes place in that time um but Wes Anderson of course in that era would like he'd be loved to use like British invasion rock music in his soundtracks mm, so like yeah. you have that in in like a movie like rushmore but you also have it in this i think they both use the same cat stevens song at, <laughs> at different points in the movie so that's yeah, that's, that's what i was like oh okay fine I, I guess i guess maybe a rushmore comparison's fine because they're both using the same cat stevens song yeah which is like kind but, of cheating that that song is like uh immediately gets you into like an emotional state like, yeah. I know, but it does work. It does. Oh, of work. course, it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no doubt. Yeah, I think it. I think it fits too. I think all the all the music is also like carefully selected that it would be music that would be of that time. Yeah, you know. So it's like it, it could have been made then. Is is you know the story is more like you're saying more more advanced, I guess, or not maybe not advanced. Just the style is more more contemporary. Mm, I, I would yeah, guess, yeah. Uh, but. Uh, I would also say it's it's uh, you know it's also another obvious comparison, but it is it does have that dead poet society kind of feel inevitably. Just at, at yeah, least yeah, sure. it, it it stretches with you know you're at you know at a campus with you know mm-hmm. the professor and everything that's that's interacting with kids. Obviously, it's a, it's a different dynamic certainly and a very different mm-hmm. different story, but uh, you know that that whole dynamic is there. What do you think about this being a like uh, people are even even the poster like there's a the poster has a a christmas ornament that's broken and then you uh-huh. see like the three of them do you really see this as like a christmas movie and do you see do you see this as like a, a, a christmas like uh, some people are talking about this as like a new christmas like staple that people will return to is is it just like the the time i i mean me me i didn't see this as like a movie that needs to be like needs to be related to Christmas. There, is, Christmas is in it, I guess, sort of. But um, well, I weirdly, I've I've recently engaged with a lot of not just movies, but also games and other other stories that take place around the holidays. Um, and the impression that I've gotten from the choice to set a movie around the holidays um, is. I, especially the new year like christmas is is important because christmas is of course like one of the the last holidays of the year and there's this very like kind of warm feeling towards christmas of getting together with loved ones and and like back kind of basking in the warmth of of company um and that transitioning into new years being this like time for rebirth and rejuvenation and like changing um changing yourself and and growing in some capacity um so a lot of stories that are set around this time are deliberately playing with that to kind of 
I, I guess, go along with the characters and their growth and their journey. And especially a movie like this, where the characters are like, the whole point is that none of them have anywhere to go on Christmas except for this this school. So they end up, you know, becoming the surrogate family. And then the new year happening also resulting in this sort of rebirth of who they are as people. Um, so I, I see it primarily as a storytelling device to set up some a story around this time. Um, and it makes sense for what this story is, not just literally about it being about holdovers, but about what the characters' journeys are like. Like it just kind of has a, a thematic appropriateness to it. So when I watch a movie like this, I'm not thinking like, am I going to watch this around Christmas every year because it's set at Christmas, you know? Like yeah. whether or not something's a Christmas movie is I, I think uh, I, I don't know. I think it has more to do than just with whether or not it's set around Christmas. Um, and while I, I don't necessarily think this is a bad movie to watch around the holidays, because it's you know it, it very much is is a movie that takes place around the holidays and has that kind of nice cozy warmth to it. But like I mean I, I don't know. It's hard to make a Christmas classic now. You know, like I'm not, you can't declare a movie a Christmas classic like the, the year it came out. Like, is, is this "It's a Wonderful Life"? Like, like, is this competing with that? Like, I, I don't right. know, man. Like, I, I I think that's something that, like, you got to wait at least twenty years until you know if something's a Christmas classic or not. Yeah, I would, uh, I would, I would agree. But I definitely think this was a, a very good move. And if you haven't caught it yet, you should, uh, you should definitely check it out. Because oh yeah, uh, absolutely. It's quite no, it's yeah, I. I had a great time watching this. I thought it was it was very very nice, very warm, um, and the performances are great. And some of the uh, the character dynamics are very interesting, and the scenes are very very well constructed and well paced. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, anything you could want from a nice end of the year kind of cozy, warm, but also interesting and uh, interesting characters and moving story. Yeah, it's great. It's, and uh, and it's hilarious too. Like, I mean, oh yeah, very very funny. Come on, Paul Chief, that character is just so freaking funny. Yeah, no, <laughs> I I I love that scene at the bowling alley where he's. <laughs> you remember that when he's like talking to the the guy in the Santa outfit? Oh, oh, <laughs> how many? There's so many scenes. Just like him, him talking to the just him talking to the students of like just him like happily just flipping out the. Uh, the, their f's and d's and then st- like starting a new lesson like just <laughs> oh yeah just, well and the, the movie starts with him grading their papers and he's just like muttering to himself oh these troglodytes like, <laughs> 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 oh man yeah it's, it's great I, I i love that character I, and i hope that uh like people have talked about potentially paul giamatti getting in the oscar race and I think that, you know, would be very well deserved because it's, you know, it's really is a phenomenal that, performance. Let me tell you what I think. I, I actually think all three of the leads in this uh, film deserve some kind of attention. I mean, I know oh, it's sure. a little early for Dominic Sessa, but I really think he was like so good. If he was bad in this movie, it doesn't work. You know, like if anyone didn't oh, yeah. like stick it perfectly. Uh, I know no, that, they, uh, they... that Dave Vine joined Randolph. She, I, I know she's already. I, I'm. I'd be shocked if she doesn't get nominated for best supporting actress. Mm-hmm. Sure. Least. Yeah. No. That that, that that would be great. But now that 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 Dominic Sessa kid, him, uh, like they, they, that's a risk, you know, to go with somebody that's like totally 
like fresh. <laughs> like literally like a, a kid just out of high school or like in high school and just saying like hey you know we liked your audition you're you're the lead in this movie now <laughs> um like that that, that could have gone very uh very poorly but they trusted him and they they made it happen like and i i'm just reading some interviews with him like it's funny he's he's like yeah i mean i, I couldn't believe it either like in between takes i'm just like walking around set like looking around being like what am i doing here this is crazy <laughs> Um, but no, he's, it's it's a fantastic performance. So yeah, definitely check this one out. And since it is streaming on Peacock, you don't even have to leave your house to do so. You know, you can just sit inside and relax and, and throw it on. So yeah, and that's a, it's a great movie. All right, we'll see you next week. We still got some more stuff to see, more stuff to talk about. And yeah, it's a, it's a great time for movies, great time to be alive. We'll see you.